party tonight. What? TV party tonight. Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know. We're dedicated yes. to our favorite shows. Oh, my circuits. Everybody loves hip Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radeligen. Tonight, our favorite show is Resident Alien, brought to you by the good people at Jocko Productions, Universal Content Productions, Dark Horse Entertainment, Amblin Television, and the Sci-Fi Network. Season, uh, part one of season two debuted on January 6th and concluded on March 16th. The second half of the 16-episode season will debut sometime in mid-2022, provided we don't have yet another uh, delay in filming as we've had for the past few years, for I don't know what reason. Knock on wood. Hello. Speaking of which, I am joined by two resident aliens first. <gasps> Uh, she started this journey with me. We looked at the comic. We, we did season one. She is back to do more. She insisted because she cannot get enough of me. Don't you understand? I said to Alexis Haina of Honeysuckle Rose Creations, I said, Alexis, why don't we wait for the whole thing to unfur unfurl itself? And we can talk about the whole season all at once. And she said, no, Mark Rattledge. I must be on more of your shows. I must have more of your time. We must, we must do more. There must be more. And so I said, I, I, I shall listen to you. So here she is to discuss half a season. Alexis Haina, how do you do, madam? Knocking on wood got the dogs overly excited. I don't know if you heard me heard them barking in the background, but apparently knock on wood also means potential person at door. <laughs> that is what dogs interpret that is. Speaking yeah. of uh, things dog and dogs interpret, a man who uh, found out we were doing this and uh, drove his car in and said, I'm here. I want to be a part of it. And then I completely forgot about it. And he said, I'm still here, dumbass. Ladies and gentlemen, from our Canadian office, David Wright. How do you do, sir? Uh, woof, woof. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. That was new. And David, let me stick with oh, you. Since the, dog, you... The, the dogs are interpreting. <laughs> I was going to say, what, is that how they speak up in Canada? Yeah, I, I bark with an accent. <laughs> <laughs> bark a boot. Bark a boot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bark a eh? At least she didn't bark with the, the same accent that the uh, one actress who played the um, gallery owner. I, I guess she's a French-Canadian actress because so the whole time she's talking, I'm like, what accent is it? It's French-Canadian. David, you didn't get a chance to talk about season one. Um, just kind of, you, you wanted, all joking aside, you wanted to talk about season two. Clearly you liked the show. Uh, did you watch it when it came out? Did you watch it after? Did you were you inspired by our first review? What brought you there, and what made you decide this, of all things, at the end of all things, is something I must talk about with Mark and Alexis? Yeah, this one avoided my radar completely until I listened to the last podcast, and it's like, wait, what? Comedy show about alien trapped in a small village in Colorado, played by Alan Tudyk. How how did I miss this? It's <laughs> a really good question, considering you're my sci-fi guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I was that was some say, bullshit. Say, as we say every time we talk about the show, the world needs more Alan Tudyk. It does. Such a treasure. Mm -hmm. So, what did you think of season one? Uh, 
Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything said on the last podcast, so I'll avoid just repeating everything. <laughs> Works for me. All right. So uh, when we last left season one, Harry was headed back to his planet. He was assigned the task of killing everybody on Earth, but he had opted not to because, you know, he had uh, changed his mind. He had met some people, I think especially Asta. He was like, all right, I'll just leave. And so when he leaves, though, he ends up uh, he has a stowaway with him. And it's the mayor's son, and that's where things leave off. When we pick up again, uh, they've now crashed the ship, and a, bi- a fairly big part of season two, Alexis just deals with what to do now that he isn't leaving. I was really surprised, and this is the first thing I think we can talk about. I was really surprised how quickly they just wrapped up the stowaway thing. It was like he, he, he saw the kid, they crashed the ship, he eventually produces the ship to silver balls that, that can do magic. And then a lot of it seems to be, what am I going to do now? Do I kill these people or don't I? And that is the first arc of season two. Him, I guess, coming to the conclusion that he still eventually, you know, if he doesn't do it, his uh, alien race will eventually come to Earth and do it for him. So instead, he's just trying to save himself and Asta. What do you think of all that? Not surprising for me that they wrap that up because I seriously doubt the show had the budget to show his home world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like, no, we're we're gonna go back on Earth here pretty quickly. Um, it is kind of interesting how quickly. I guess it also makes sense to wrap up pretty fast how they were able to c- cover the ship and get it c- turned into those silver balls. Remind me, oh my god, what's the name of that J.J. Abrams film that takes place in the fifties with the alien? What's it called? It's not super eight, is it? Super eight, super yeah. eight, yeah. You like how they find all those little, uh, like Rubik's cube like things that mm-hmm. end up form, you know, kind of rematerializing into the ship. That's kind of what I was getting the impression of with the silver balls. But I do think it's a good thing they wrapped it up quickly because how many episodes can we get them reusing the same concept of? someone's using the baseball field we got to get them off the baseball field it would have gotten very old very fast yeah agreed david uh same question you know again the first part of this is harry trying to figure out what to do with himself and then deciding he just has to save him and asta and then asta telling him no stupid that's not how this works if i can't if i can't have my family then you might as well kill me too and i'll and i have to say and this does go into one of the things i did want to talk about tonight is how well season two balances character development amongst its primary cast. Like this doesn't feel so much like Alan Tudyk's show anymore. This now feels more ensemble than anything else. So go ahead and kind of speak to those things uh, as you will. Uh, Yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised by how quickly they got through all the preview material for this. Like I thought it would be (laughs) an entire season of Harry building a bunker under his (laughs) house to save Asta and, you know, laughing maniacally about everyone else dying, but that's that, that was over and done in the first sort of couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. Then it switched more into I need to message my people to stop them from uh, from from coming to finish the job I I didn't uh, complete. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I was glad that they they sort of wrapped that up within one episode, having the ship mm-hmm. dematerialize and uh, Harry's stuck on Earth and has to make his peace with that. And, and then uh, number 42 explains, like, your people are coming back. So he switches to, okay, I need to build a bunker to save Asta. And, uh, yeah, like for, for all the complaints that we get about how terrible writing is in a lot of shows these days, it's nice to see those that 
actually do still have good writing. And uh, like, I think I saw an interview with, jeez, uh, the name is blanking on me, but uh, he was a uh, Tom Paris in Voyager, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil, I think. You know, he's like the director or producer of the show. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of saying like, yeah, we, we, we sort of view it more as just yeah, like a show about a small town in the Colorado mountains that's just people dealing with small town stuff. It just happens that one of the people happens to be an alien hiding out on Earth. And it's funny you mentioned that because didn't you watch Eureka? I actually did not watch Eureka. I think at that point I was like, if it wasn't in space, I wasn't really that into sci-fi. <laughs> okay. Alexis, did you ever watch Eureka? Mm-mm. So Eureka had a very similar thing. Um, Eureka had a very similar thing going on with uh, with its show, the way that David's describing Resident Alien, where Resident Alien very much was focused, if season one was very much focused on Alan Tudyk sort of uh, uh, figuring out how to live on Earth and getting to where he was very mission focused. And then, um, you know, having that bond with Asta, nearly dying and being saved by her and then deciding he has to go back to his home world. And that's the whole season. Um, when as it progressed, uh, season two, as David is saying, was more about just the town, people living in that town, and the fact that he was an alien was sort of ancillary to it. And that was how Eureka was, too. The first season was very much, you know, scientists doing evil science things, and the sheriff having to, uh, d- despite the fact that he's not a scientist, trying to figure out what the scientists are doing, and you know, he was always being viewed as rather dim. But being you know smart enough to foil the evil science plots, as seasons two, three, and four uh, got on with Eureka, it became very much about uh, the the cast and the character studies and their relationships, and less about. I mean, there was still a little bit of that, but it became less about law and order, but with you know scientists. And I'm wondering what you think about that. Like, did you like the fact that there was less of a focus on Harry and his machinations in the season, and there was more sort of shared screen time with the other actors and their individual romantic stories, relationship stories, you know, just dealing with very human stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with an alien hiding among, you know, amongst us. Absolutely. We've talked before about other shows that really work hard on building up the other characters and establishing more about them. Mm -hmm. The one that comes to mind immediately is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. We talked about how so much of the later seasons really don't, I mean, Sabrina is still the main focus, but we learned so much about her classmates and her friends and her family. Similar thing here. We're learning so much about the other characters. Now, we did learn a decent amount about them in the first season, mostly Asta and her uh, father. But now we're learning more about uh, the mayor and his family. We learn we learn a ton about Darcy, who yeah. is a really fun character. Hell, we're even getting development out of the uh, very bitchy nurse Ellen, <laughs> <laughs> who is freaking hilarious. I just love how nonchalantly she wins the pepper eating contest. She has a, there's a lot of funny stuff with her she, when she's the babysitter, and they're trying to lull her to sleep with nature sounds and whatnot. And, you know, they're sneaking out of the house. And I think she was just like, okay, we'll just be back early. And she's like, oh, you're a terrible babysitter. Yeah, it's like, be back before your parents get home and don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other, <laughs> they have to replace Harry as the doctor in the town clinic, David. And I, re- <laughs> I remember laughing pretty hard at, um, you know, when, <laughs> when the doctor messes up and reads him the wrong chart, they're like, okay, this has got to stop. This has got to come to an end. She's like, yeah, I've already taken the liberty of eliminating all the uh, 
uh, all the candidates we can't use. And then it's like, so here, just hire Harry back. Like she cracked me up in that scene. Yeah, she she has her moments. I think my my favorite was uh, when uh, it was either Darcy or the mayor's wife, where she's hung over the next day, and and Ellen just goes, "Yeah, as, as a medical professional, I have to tell you that this is really unhealthy for you, and you should stop." But as someone stuck in this you know, shitty ass town, next time call me and bring me along. <laughs> <laughs> that was Darcy. Darcy had walked. Darcy, Darcy yeah. got drunk, walked into a tree, and nearly got her eye poked out by a branch. Let's um, let's talk about let's let's break up this discussion. Let's talk about some of these character arcs and relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, Alexis, you and I talked about the sheriff last season. How much neither one of us were particularly uh, in love with that character and what an ass he was. It was almost like very cartoony. And he, and at, by the end, he's at least softened on the deputy. He starts treating her like a human being again because she almost quits and walks out on him. Yeah, um, his his arc to share with uh, with the deputy. So this season, you start to get a little bit of that again, but I think they did an excellent job. I really enjoyed his story. And, like, he was very one note in season one. He was just mm -hmm. kind of a dopey dick. And, you know, and then the deputy threatens to quit on him, and he softens up just a little bit, just enough, so she'll stay. But you don't ever really get a sense of, beyond him being sort of comic relief, what use he is to the cast. Here this whole season deals with why he's in this town, why he's the way that he is, why he treats her the way that, that he does. They really fleshed him out and gave him an interesting story. Specifically, they talk about how he told his partner, who is his best friend from childhood, to run up the stairs and go, and go through the front. He was going to go through the back, and the guy was gunned down, and that he was struggling with survivor's guilt, among other things. I genuinely... Like, that actor... I don't know what el what all changed. Maybe the material enough changed him that I could appreciate the performance more. But he was stellar this season. One of the high points, I think. Absolutely. And one of the things I love so much, not only just about him, but others, is that most of these characters are comic relief, but still able to get really serious scenes mm -hmm. as well. We get the amazingly powerful scene with the sheriff talking about uh, his partner getting shot and how close they were and how this is they when were. She's handcuffed him to the bench, right? Yes. Okay. After she went to get Froyo. But yes. then we also get the hilarious scene when he comes in when the uh, the elderly doctor has numbed his entire arm. <laughs> He's like, well, what can I do with this? And he knocks everything off the table. So, <laughs> Deputy, you're going to have to write out my police reports. It's just so over the top. <laughs> Yeah. And that's something the show does very well is that you care about these characters, but they're making you laugh. It's very rare to have a show that gives that spreads out the comic relief and still is able to give them serious roles. So many shows we watch, it's like they have the comic relief and they're just the goofball. Yeah. They may have one or two serious scenes throughout the season, but that's it. This show does that really well. What'd you think of the sheriff this season, Dave? Yeah, I think the first season it focused a bit more on Harry. I think it was doing a lot more sort of setting up mm -hmm. uh, things. And a lot of what the characters are dealing with in second season is dealing more with some of the after effects of Harry's presence, even if they didn't know about it. Like, again, you have the sheriff and the deputy now are investigating the, you know, the, the murder of Sam and then Harry. And, uh, you know, and, and they're getting more closer on to the, that there's an alien in their midst, at least the deputy is. Mm -hmm. So, 
so we have that going through but yeah and then we have this added on where we're fleshing out the characters more getting more into their backstories and uh what I really appreciate about this is like millennial writers, for some reason, they seem to like to give every single male character they write who isn't evil trauma. <laughs> you know, like they're always dealing with something. Well, as TikTok yeah. has t told me, we've all been traumatized. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I, you know, we, we, you know, everyone has had stuff they've had to deal in with their life to one degree mm -hmm. or another, some more serious than others. Sure. Uh, but I appreciate yeah, I am, that. By, I am definitely being somewhat facetious. Yes, like, like while he has trauma. Hey, you he's, really? He's, yeah. He's still able to do his job and he is working through it. Mm -hmm. You know, like we get the feeling that, you know, by the end of this half of the season, he is in a better place than he was at the beginning. Yes. He actually has movement. You know, he has the, he has the date where the date's pressuring him. Like, why do you, why do you work here? And he blows up at her because he's not quite ready to talk about the partner. Um, he's got the bit with the, with the two cups of coffee, which comes across as him just being a dick to the deputy again, but really it's him processing his grief and, um memorializing on the anniversary of the, of the guy's death or whatever it was yeah yeah, yeah um, but he, has like, he has conversations with his father that really mm -hmm. flesh him out as a human being yeah like it's just so much now of just you know, you know this sucks everything sucks you know nothing's ever going to get better people are awful so on and so forth and this is like no like yes things things can suck and life is hard but you know you can get better you know, you can work through this stuff. You can make friends and we can help each other and, you know, get through this. And, and I just, yeah, I, I liked they added that to that character. Cause yeah, like, like you say, he was just kind of just a big dick in the first, uh, <laughs> yeah. first season. And they, know, they made he's him, like, Oh, he, he's a person. Yeah. They just made him kind of a dope, you know, like how did you get to be the sheriff? You can't solve any crimes. And like, Oh, he comes across more competent this time. Um, but At least he token. doesn't ask anyone to call him Big Black in this season. <laughs> yeah, I about had enough of that. Um, thanks for reminding me that I'd actually forgotten. The deputy we talked about, Alexis, in the first season was, you know, just too mousy for me and, you know, and lacking in spine. And then she finally has her, her breaking point. Um, here, she, I thought that, again, one of the things I, I, I have a difficult time with with television is these characters progress in one season. Then they have to regress a little bit to start in the in the second season. You're like, they seem to be regressing because there's a tacit acknowledgement by the writers that there has to be growth. But they never, <coughs> seem, to up, they never seem to pick up where we left off. They always have to go, you know, they always have to sack the quarterback for 10 yards. You know, <coughs> and start, so, sorry, <laughs> sticking my throat. Yeah. And start see, with See, it. I was actually thinking uh, Mazakine from Lucifer. Yeah, that's another good yeah. one. Where they never start these people where we left them off. They always draw. They always drop them back about ten to twenty yards, and they have to then make that up for the first part of it, and then then they progress. And it drives me a little crazy because it's like you have to give a reason. I think for there need to be solid writing for these people who have regressed, and they never do. They just they just suddenly woke up. You know, they 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 went to sleep in season one one way. They woke up worse somehow, you know, in season two, and nothing had happened. But um, what I liked about the deputy this season is while there's a little bit of that, she still maintains her dignity from that she gains from the first season. And here, again, she's not just the mousy, put-upon, uh, bullied deputy. She is actually she's an actual person. You meet her boyfriend or husband or whatever he is. Um, she's shown to competently still be able to solve crimes. She's the one that figures out that Harry's probably an alien, or at least there's, there's an alien afoot before that all gets dealt with so that you know they they can they can keep the mystery going 
but she actually has some like very genuinely nice conversations throughout the season. The one on the park bench with the sheriff being one. Um, there's a couple with the other women as they go out throughout the season that I really, really liked. So um, I came to truly a appreciate the deputy. The, I'm just going to add this one thing. I know Harry and I and I think Robert and I have, have talked about this in the past. It's like sometimes they present women in, in a way where they're just like they're, they just kind of dress them down, you know, and they made her look kind of dumpy in the first season in Mousy. And here she has a couple of she has a couple of scenes where, you know, she's out in regular clothing and like that actress is deceptively attractive looking mm -hmm. when they actually dress her up and, dre and dress her nicely and not just kind of throw a potato sack on her. I was I, I was nicely surprised. So what do you think of the deputy this season? They do expand her character a fair bit. I like that they're kind of making her a bit of a UFO nut. Mm -hmm. And they're actually explaining why. It's not suddenly out of the blue. She's apparently always kind of been one, but it's just recently that things have started to be a little weird. It's kind of reawakening this interest that mm -hmm. she has. And I really like that. And I do like her uh, relationship with the others. It's kind of, we see a little bit more this season that a lot of these characters grew up in this town together. Yeah. You see that camping trip, it's Liv and Asta and Darcy and uh, Ben, the mayor. Ben mm -hmm. is the mayor, right? Yeah, I'm terrible yeah. at remembering names in this show, but I'll... Yeah, I'll, I'm trying to remember. Oh, sounds about right. Yeah, and they, are, they were all kids and they all went on this big camping trip together. And it's so sweet and it helps establish a little bit more that they have been through so much together. So mm -hmm. when you see the girls hanging out, it's not just, oh, they just wrapped, grabbed all the female characters that they <laughs> have the, on the they show. They have a women get it done moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they actually have a reason Liv would be hanging out with Darcy and Austin. Mm -hmm. They grew up together. They were kids together. They still have this great camaraderie. And I really like that. Um, anything thoughts about the deputy, Dave? Uh yeah, again, I I love that, like, not not just the deputy, but all the characters. Yeah, they don't regress. They start off with the advancement from the previous season, and then they can keep going. Previous mm -hmm. season was all about her standing up to the sheriff mm -hmm. and asserting herself and sort of getting that uh, respect that that she deserved. Mm -hmm. And and this season now, it's more her sort of being more open to the world, where you know like she's sort of coming out with her. You know, I, I go, but what if aliens? Okay, well, let me ask you a question about that. So there's a whole, yeah. like, there's like a sub, 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 subplot where, and they did, I don't know, it felt like they didn't really do anything with it. Like, you think they're going in this direction. I'm talking about the budget. There's, yeah. there's this, there's this mm -hmm. whole thing that they do where they're looking at the budget and they're realizing that the, that there's this page gate, uh, gap, um, pay gap, wait, bleh, wage gap between the men yeah. and the women. And they're trying to figure out why. And then they, I think Darcy just like throws the, the copies of the budget, uh, you know, from a helicopter in the sky. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and then it's like, you yeah, know, obviously nobody on nobody who wrote that film or wrote that show understands how much it costs to rent a helicopter for an hour. Nope. Um, yeah, <laughs> but we get a freaking mash homage. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, it was fun. I was just me, me who works in aviation. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's broke now. Okay, I, I wasn't so much focused on that, Robert. What I was focused on was the fact that you, you know, you, they don't give you any real reason why the budget is what it is, and then it was kind of a step one collect underpants, step three profit moment for me, where 
It's like, we have a problem. The budget's out of whack. Men get paid more than the women. Missing reel of footage, she gets a raise and buys a new car. And I'm like, <laughs> like if it, I did they not have Dave enough material for season two? Like, I, I know they expanded from, I think it's 10 to 16 episodes. And I'm like, in the writing of this, did they just not space things out? Did they run out of stuff to say? And they're like, we need to go back and add more. I don't know. Let's let's have a women get it done moment. It just it seemed superfluous to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a note. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it, it felt a little inorganic to the story being yeah. told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know you kind of want to have your you know, your girl power moment where all the girls get together and they do something of note or but yeah, I could just kind of like okay, well, that, yeah, well that note the women don't do enough in this show. <laughs> Too much Harry. We need the women doing shit. Yeah, or women we, don't do we need to this. we need to address the gender pay gap or something like yeah. that. I, I I I don't know. Seems like a strange place to put your feminist agenda. I'm just saying. I thought uh, it was going to come back in when they started talking about building the resort and they were going to mm-hmm. talk more about it's like, well, wait, you've got the money for a resort, but you don't have money to fix the wage gap or something like that. Yeah, the resort thing seemed to just be and we can transition to talking about the mayor and his wife now. Um, it's that all seemed to be just set up in detail so that we can have a big blow up with the mayor and his wife at the end because they're keeping secrets from each other. And there's this undercurrent of tension that sort of explodes at uh, Harry's birthday party. And that's it. That's the story. That's the whole use of the resort thing. Um, the guy who plays the mayor is, is pretty funny this season. I don't remember why Darcy kissed him in season one, but they're still dealing with that. Uh, I thought I, when they finally do address uh, Darcy kissing Ben, I thought where the wife was going and the kind of stuff she was saying, Alexis, that we were going to have like a ethical non-monogamy situation going like, I don't care if you like sleep with this other woman. My care about it is that you don't tell me the truth about anything. Just quite say that, but boy, are they glancing at it from across the room? It seems like, like almost like that was somebody's initial right. They were like, no, 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 for God's sake, we can't do polyamory and resident alien do something else. It was, it just, the whole thing seemed rather odd to me, but yeah, the whole, the whole thing with the mayor is he, he's another one that sort of lacks a spine at times. You know, like there's a whole scene with him and Darcy hanging out at the house while the wife and the kid are away. And he's like, I can put up a sign. I can move the coffee table. I'm asserting myself as a man. Just so later on the wife can be like, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not happy either, <laughs> you know, and I wish we talked more. It, uh, it was on the one hand, I liked that they gave them something to do and argue about. On the other hand, it kind of, they're sailing along at a certain altitude, and then the plane just lands, and they're like, there was no cruising in. It just drops to the ground. The mayor and his wife definitely suffer the most, I think. While they do have a bit of uh, growth in this season, it seems more that they're just setting up how these two have the most dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> in the entire freaking town starting from the fact that season two starts off with them having the most awkward sex scene since tommy was so i think that was intentional i was like it struck me as comical but comical for the sake of sake of creating laughter it mostly just made me go oh my god especially the scene where they got the ball gags in their mouth and they're both crying you prude i'm not a prude i'm just going i yikes 
I'm sorry. I, I didn't at one point one of them to really get out of saddle. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I think at that some... point I said, wow, you really don't know what you're doing when it comes to that wasn't me being disgusted. That was more just being embarrassed for them. <laughs> that's not how you use that, madam. <laughs> um I was having secretary flashbacks during that scene. I I laughed hard. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, I, I, but, I mean, like taking something like BDSM and being comical about it struck me as it strikes me as very funny. So, yeah, no, that, that like so that part made me laugh, but it was more making mm -hmm. me laugh just how embarrassed I am for this couple. But I'm just going <laughs> to say this. I'm hoping they actually do address this as in season two, that the mayor is a freaking idiot for mm -hmm. passing up the whole murder town UFO town thing. I travel for a living. I have been to so many towns where they are banking on things like that. They mm -hmm. love having haunted house tours, UFO sighting tours, Bigfoot sighting tours. They love this kind of stuff. And I'm like, and he keeps going. I was like, no, no, no. I don't want them to be known with this. I'm like, okay, if you open a resort and you start advertising patients as a UFO town, you are going to get so much tourism. It's going to be ridiculous. You are going to see the biggest boon because sci-fi nerds love shit like this and I'm we pay sure. good money for it right david, david? the mayor and yeah, his wife i seen but I, I get what you mean it yeah he's he's very focused on the sort of picturesque family destination image mm -hmm. for this town where it's more like yeah you know maybe you should be going another direction with this you know, but you say that, and meanwhile, he writes the, the musical about the 59, I think it is, or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, you thought oh, the 16 God, was, was awkward so and embarrassing. That that was the moment where it's like, ugh, I mean, again. My yeah. leg, like, my leg, yeah, them, them, them having kinky bondage sex, in, you know, in white people awkward ways didn't bother me. Yeah, I watched that scene and I just figured, like, they, they probably just, in the writer's room, just like, okay, throw out random little snippets of a crazy BDSM thing to make it sound like that these people are doing some like silly, crazy experimentation. Yeah. Like, okay, got it. You know, like it's what you don't see that you, you kind of, you, you get the image of what's going on. But yeah, when, when you have like a bunch of like elementary school age kids. I don't this, have like, a brother. <laughs> my a uncle's father. my daddy now. <laughs> you see the yeah. horrified faces of mothers in the audience. The one mother who goes up and gets her kid playing the boulder. And she's just like, uh-uh, you're not part of this. <laughs> Yeah, just, so just, just, just how tone deaf, and I'm not talking about the music <laughs> that was, and and yeah, it, it, it's funny, but also so so horrifying. <laughs> it was good stuff. Um, anything else about the mayor and his wife? I liked the fight they have. I, I I'll tell you what, I like the fight they have. At, you know, everything finally comes to a head. They have this argument, and the argument is essentially over secrets. Um, as we all know, us all three being married people, if you don't communicate with your spouse, you're going to create more problems than whatever it is you're not communicating about, is generally speaking how things go. Like if you just deal with stuff directly, it tends to work out better than if you don't. And that is a big part of what the mayor, and you feel free to disagree with that if you want, but um, that's what the mayor and his wife are arguing about for the most part. She's talking about. And boy, is this true for middle aged women, so psychology tells me. That the midpoint in in someone's marriage, there's sort of a lack of fulfillment for the woman who feels like I put off my dreams and I put off the things I wanted to do so that I could do what was supposed to be asked of me as a woman to be a wife and a mother. And now that I've done all those things and I look back and I look at my life now and I go, I am not fulfilled. This this seems to be a common enough thing. And I 
definitely have heard people talk about that uh, before, the way that she is. And he is sort of struggling about being sort of henpecked in this marriage and feeling um, like emasculated. And they're butting heads about it because they never talk. And then they finally do, and they end up having sex in the bathroom. And I kind of felt like, eh, you didn't really resolve it, though. You addressed the fact that they aren't talking, and they finally do talk, but nothing got resolved. And then they just had sex as if the writers go, we don't really know what to do with this. We just wanted it to end. Well, that was the joke. They say, we don't talk about this. We just end up having sex. And then they so, do. Yeah, so that, the joke is that's like, okay, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. We're going to get this out. No, we're just going to have sex. Yeah, I, I think that was done more just for yeah comedic effect at the time of all mm -hmm. this crazy stuff is chasing an alien human hybrid baby around the <laughs> the, the party and yeah the mayor and his wife are having you know crazy sex in the bathroom. Very mm -hmm. descriptive, wah, wah, wah. loud sex. Yes, <laughs> but to the oh. point of of them just not really they they finally acknowledge that there are problems but they don't really do anything with it and it kind yeah. of bothers me it's, it's kind of like just you know step one of solving a problem is admitting there is a problem yeah so they've kind of at least gotten to the point it's like okay we have problems we need to deal with these problems but right now let's have crazy fun sex because the script mm -hmm. says so um, <laughs> like i said i think this is setting up more of the dysfunction with them because again it's like they acknowledge they have a problem but they're not taking the steps to fix it they're because they fall back onto the bad habit of just having sex yeah well, wow. yeah. Like, i, I just can't imagine there being another part of this i can't imagine there's gonna be another part of this discussion i'm gonna to want to make a tiktok so i just want to write that down <laughs> uh, on marriage uh, on women's general dissatisfaction with marriage 10 years in go uh, <laughs> you know i just celebrated my 10 year well actually five year well, wedding tell us how dissatisfied you are alexis this is a shit no, just, just kidding no, just, <laughs> i am not dissatisfied congratulations you me? i have my dream job of being a professional artist i'm happy yeah go ahead dave but yeah i think, I think it's kind of interesting that you have you have like the mayor who's in the more prestigious position mm -hmm. yet he's very insecure about like like his his place in his marriage his place as a mayor especially yeah. you know having to be in competition with the uh whatever it is, the other, the Jessup. other town, Jessup. Yeah. The Shelbyville to their Springfield. Um, yeah. and Tell me uh, I'm not the only one who wanted to smack that mayor during the conversation they had at the Jessup about the whole, the water thing. Oh, the and, water yeah. thing is so good. Our water is <laughs> describing the water and it's like, it's just fucking water, man. It, it's water. Yeah. Yeah. And then calling the wife, Mrs. Mayor. And she's like, mm. um, I actually am a lawyer and I have a P and it's just like, wow. It's like, seriously, put that asshole in his yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we go into, yeah, the, the, again, I forget her name, the, the mayor's wife character. Yeah. Where, where she has all these degrees, like she's, mm -hmm. you know, like, like she is probably more qualified to be, you know, you know, in, in the higher position of the two of them professionally. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and she's sort of bumping up against you. Know, I'm the mayor's wife. Whereas, you know, I, I could go to New York and be so much more, but you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta take care of my kid and now I'm having another kid. And you know, this, you know, yeah, like she's, 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 you know, looking at her life and going, is this, is this right for me? Do, should I have, have taken the other path and so on and so forth. And, and yeah, it creates an interesting dynamic between the two and, and I think you sort of have when she was away, the the mayor sort of having that rekindling of the old flame with Darcy a bit. I mean, to his credit, he never crosses the uncrossable line. Like it was just, you know, we hung out, you know, like we kissed a few weeks ago. 
you know, she stayed the night because she was drunk, but, you know, nothing she, happened. If, if yeah, it's like were, she didn't choose really to spend the night. She fell asleep and yeah. he didn't just didn't move her. Yeah, like I, if it was we, we slept together as opposed to we kissed, then I think that conversation when it was all out in the open would have been very diff difficult. But I can totally understand from his perspective, it's like, you know, I don't want to have this conversation with my wife because, you know, she could blow up at me and, you know, but then again, you know, like, like, like she's, said, she's, it's the honesty. She's less mad about oh, the kid. Sake. She's less mad. I, I, yeah. I wanted people are gonna be like, "What is he talking about?" That he just yelled, "Women get dissatisfied ten years in." Like, no, I, I read it in an article, and I just wanted to put the article on screen. Um, the, I'll take it down in a second. But for anyone wondering where I was getting that from, literally read it in a Psychology Today article within a few days ago. Um. Women, why women being in long-term relationships, why being in a long-term relationship can make women more depressed. Ta-da! All right, I'm done with that now. Um, psychology today, everybody, read it. Anywho, um, yeah, she she's like, it's it's not the issue that you kissed a shit happens. People kiss. I, I'll get over it. Why you choose not to tell me these things? You you have a woman sleeping in our son's bed. Maybe address that directly instead of you know hiding it like we're in an '80s comedy. And I think she has a legit gripe there, Dave. I, I agreed totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, save so not. There's. I'm trying to remember. There was a show. I can't remember which one it was, but they talked about how something casually had happened, and it's like, well, I'm not going to tell my spouse about it. But by not telling them about it, it becomes more of a big deal and it feels more like you're trying to hide something. If right. he had just if Darcy had just come downstairs when she got home and she'd been and he'd been like, she came over, we got a little drunk, she fell asleep. I just I didn't want to wake her. She right. you know, she, she revealed that here. she hid weed in, in, in our son's room when it was my room a hundred years ago. Like just come clean. Because the wife yeah. seems pretty chill otherwise. Yeah, the wife knows that Darcy and Ben, and they all grew up together. Mm -hmm. She knows that, you know, they have, she knows that Darcy and Ben, you know, dated and, and apparently slept together in high school. Right. So it's like just, yeah. but he's, and I'm just going to say, you keep talking about him feeling emasculated. The dude was afraid to put up a live, laugh, love sign. Emasculation <laughs> too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do appreciate like, I mean, I, I like it when characters make intelligent, rational decisions. But you know, I I also appreciate that you know, we're human. We don't always make intelligent, rational decisions, and I don't have a problem with that in shows so long as it makes sense for them to make those bad decisions. Like yeah. I understand where he's coming from when he's going like, "Oh yeah, I don't really want to tell my wife." I mean, yes, we're all sitting here going like, "This is the wrong choice." Sure, as a man, but, it would I, be difficult I, to tell your wife I kissed this broad. We we yeah, get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so I appreciate, and 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 other than some of the comedy elements, like things do feel more natural with how the characters react to their situations and the decisions that they make. It's never just a well, we need this to happen, so this character is going to make this thing now. Like you know, all of a sudden, Tyrion has to be an idiot because this war has to last two seasons. Um, before we move on, you know, we've spent almost forty minutes talking and talked nothing about Harry and Asta. Yes. We probably should get <laughs> to that in the, in the show about Harry. It, it is so, a credit to how good they've developed the characters outside of Harry and Asta. Yeah, no, I'm no doubt. It. So it's like, we're, Mark, we're, we're we need more time. To, so, Mark, we need more time to talk about the psychology of married women. And another but, but, thing, that's the focus of our show now, right? I need a, to make new graphics for this, right? Yes, yes. We, every show now has to discuss polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. Um, 
that is the that is the it is the ethical non-monogamy monogamy in, in monogamy. Yeah. yeah, but oh, I guess the ethical non-monopoly. Um, I guess listen, since we are going to start going into Harry and Asta, like before we oh, do, for the okay. love of Christ, if you're having trouble with your ethical non-monogamy, um, you should get Grammarly. Grammarly's yeah. a powered products help people communicate more effectively. Yeah, can't Gram spell or pronounce monogamy. <laughs> you probably do need Grammarly. If you if you're struggling with ethical non-monopoly, Grammarly helps you write mistake free on Gmail, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. It'll even help you with your Bumble uh, profile. To download Grammarly, to what? To download Grammarly. <laughs> you know, I found out that apparently Gunner and Andrew, it's, among others, like. I'm sorry. Did you have to let let me button? finish my blog, and then please tell me about every about your friends' dating profiles. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com/slash/w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com/slash/w2mnetwork to download Grammarly for free to help you with your dating profiles to find uh, loose and, and fun women on dating apps. Now, go ahead. Where are the men that you're that you're friends with finding loose and fun women on dating apps? Oh, they're not finding fun stuff on dating apps. I was bringing up the fact that apparently every time a certain somebody mentions a certain stupid joke yeah. on a certain other podcast, it has become a running gag for among others to start looking over at me because they want, because it's like, okay, he said something stupid and Alexis reacts. <laughs> that is the new thing apparently over on MCU's Bleeding Edge. Are your reactions like very big? Do you start juggling cats? <laughs> if I if I was some cats, I could juggle on the next one. I would you please like if it, it, well, look, I can't if juggle it, Eddie and Cleo. Eddie weighs thirty pounds. Cleo weighs eighty pounds. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. That's not illegal because, because you know Jeff's going to make a successive amount of increasingly uncomfortable sex jokes throughout the show. Like he ma he makes me positively seem like the uh, the preacher from fucking Midnight Mass. Yeah, the so. most recent one was I. We were talking Moon Knight, and I said I don't know how many of you study archaeology or Egyptology. To which he said, "I study gynecology." To which I went like this. <sighs> okay, so that's what you're talking about. That kind of reaction. I'm gonna need you to go bigger and more ridiculous with each successive joke. So like you know, st you know start with something maybe maybe like fire eating, end with ending you know juggling chainsaws. Figure it out. I don't I, even own a chainsaw. Work with me. Just, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a successive buildup of circus acts. David, speaking of circus acts, let's talk about uh, Harry and Asta. Um, I forget why he isn't working at the clinic anymore, but ha uh, Harry just does. But a they lot got a replacement work. daughter, uh, doctor. Like he was, he was always a temporary. Okay. Yeah, yeah he, he made it of... clear. He he made it clear when they started the season. He said, "I'll serve until." You okay. guys can get someone else. Um, he does a lot of hanging around, but that's to leave him free to go do other things. First, it's to uh, deal with his ship. Second, it's to build the bunker. Third, it's to rescue 42. Fourth, it's to find more people like him in New York City. And then we're into, the, I guess, the second half of the season where we're going to deal with the government that knows there's aliens and is trying to do something about it. We have the whole... They don't do a lot with Linda Hamilton, but she is there doing stuff this season. Um, they build a little bit more on Harry's relationship with Asta. And I think the high water mark for writing in this show, I mean, it's a well-written show to begin with, but I think the best scene that they have is the one where Asta basically threatens to kill herself. Not really, because she had grounded the electricity, so it wouldn't have killed her for real, at least in theory. 
I'm not an electrician. I don't know how any of that works. But um, she pre she presses like the little button thing that you have on electric light sockets. But the whole her whole thing is basically to get Harry to understand um, the importance of people in your life. That is the whole point of of her and Ar Harry's relationship this season is to get him to evolve to a place where not not only seeing individual people in the human race as valuable and worth protecting, but seeing the human race in and of itself, good, bad, or indifferent, as something that doesn't need to be utterly wiped off the face of the universe. And she drives that point home by saying, if I can't have the people in my life, life is not worth living, which I think is something we would all agree with. Um, life is hard enough as it is. It's, it's even harder when you have to go through it completely alone without a social circle. Um, and certainly a lot, that's something I think a lot of people can, re that resonates with people who um, may have been isolated during you know the, the pandemic. So I think the show does a really, really good job of bringing all of those things in thematically and dealing with them in a, in a dramatic way that's appealing for the viewer. What did you think, Dave? Uh, yeah, first season was very much Harry makes a friend in Asta, and that's what motivates him to not wipe out the human race because Asta is part of the human race. Yeah. And second season's more like, okay, you've made a friend. Now you need to sort of see the value mm -hmm. of like community or, yeah. you, know, you, you know, try making another friend. <laughs> and another friend like you right. know let, let's work on the concept of family and like you know i i you know the the sort of you know very basic you know behind the scenes of science fiction is it's really about humanity about people about the now and uh like it, it kind of infuriates me in a way that this show is very much hairy bit by bit resentfully learning to understand what it is to be human and slowly even develop kind of a grudging appreciation of that. Is, is, like, is he not, is he not emblematic of a portion of our society that is awkward and kind of Aspie spectrumy and just has a hard time relating to humanity and having to be pushed along, you know, into, you know, yeah. into embracing so, said so humanity. Yeah. And, and, and they've been very clever in that ma making that the alien, like society life cycle, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. very very different mm -hmm. from humanity. Like he even sort of points out, you know, like our babies are self reliant from the time they are born. They've got teeth and claws. They can feed themselves. Human babies are helpless and floppy. I uh, yeah. and like most most funny observations, they also do have a degree of truth to them, right. which I find so funny. In that you know this show, which is essentially a comedy about you know a goofy alien on Earth in a small village tends to say more about what it is to be human about the issues that we are facing than a lot of like the highbrow, you know, hoity-toity expensive science fiction, just <clears throat> Star Trek Discovery, you know, with all their <laughs> I thought you were going to say the other one we did in January on Apple TV, whatever that one was. Uh, was it Foundation? Foundation, yeah. yeah that's Foundation where I thought you were going with that. Has some things going for it, but yeah, they both have empty pretentious monologues that just seem mm -hmm. to be you know, we need to sound smart you know like all humans live with ghosts um no no we don't uh, I, you know this, <laughs> this isn't going anywhere it doesn't have any relation to the story here whereas harry's monologues tend to actually have a relation to like what he's dealing with what he's trying to understand like sort of the big moment with him is you know when uh well, well one thing i really like is you know, like they go into the forest uh, so he can uh, build his transmitter to mm -hmm. You know, tell his people not to come and destroy the earth for 50 and, years yeah yeah it's eventually revealed that he says for 50 years so that asta can live the rest of her life and all of her friends can too uh and they would have 50 years to work up you know the next stage of the plan 
but like there's that moment where he sort of just walks out of the campsite and he meets up with a, a buffalo just randomly in the forest and he kind of does his like psychic hand thing on the buffalo and you sort of like harry sort of says like you know, has a sort of point goes like you know human beings are not being very good to the planet right now like the planet would probably be better off without us sort of that environmental point but then you have Asta saying, you know, no, like there is actually value to human life, human experience. Yes, we are flawed. Yes, we're messing up a lot right now. But, you know, again, we can do better and we should have the chance to do better. And uh, and yeah, and then we get to to the bit where, yeah, it's, it's revealed that he does the 50, 50 years thing. But, you know, I understand where he's coming from on that. And, you know, it does address those issues, but it's not just, you know, global warming bad, humans bad. <laughs> Yeah. You know, racism bad, sexism bad. That is all. That is all I need to say. Let me jump in here for a second because I because as you're talking, I want to draw a comparison to something and you might go, wait, what? I kept thinking about Joker. Um mm -hmm. and how you know they, they're using the character of Joker to illustrate and speak to the the deficits in social contracting, um, at least in American society, you know, this is we are letting people in need, people um, in crisis down. And when if you let it go far enough, it, it, it'll show itself in very violent ways. That is what Joker was about. But it, mm -hmm. the other side of that is that is why people so, so many people identified with it. And you had this entire community of people who feel isolated and um, disenfranchised glomming on to the joker movie and going oh my god finally a movie that speaks to me it, it speaks to the issues that i have and what i believe and it's saying it in, 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 a, in a way in an environment where other people can hear it too because god knows i don't feel heard that sort of thing yeah and i mean we just had like, a best five, picture nominee like all right calm down yeah and um, we, just, we just had like a five to ten minute conversation about yeah like uh, you know be, being a housewife versus a career woman and the mm -hmm. mental effects of that like you know, I like how the show actually does kind of dive right. a bit into these things, despite also being a funny comedy where you get to see Alan Tudyk uh, giving CPR to a, a rubber octopus. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was saying. I think, um, and, I'll, and I'll pitch it over to you, Alexis, for a response, but uh, to close out that point. so people. Uh, yeah, I, I just have one, one final thought before we move on, if that's fine. Yes, yes, but, yes, yes. yes. Me, yeah, you, uh, me, you, then Alexis. Yeah. Um, the connection I was making was just like Joker, but in a very almost like silly and comedic way, the show really does kind of look at what's going on in the culture right now. What can we talk about? What, you know, what can, what can we say about what's going on from person to person? Okay. That's going to be our theme, but yes, but then we'll have Alan, Alan Tudyk doing silly voices and making funny faces and, you know, and, and giving mouth to mouth to an octopus. And I, that is to the show's writings credit David. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I think, like the, the the pinnacle of the season for like Harry and Asta is you know after that point where they have that falling out, uh, you you have like they, they go back to the reservation and and Harry even says you know, like I like these people like this sort of more close to nature lifestyle. I mean to get into like the the the, the diversity and the history of various First Nations Native American groups. That's just you know way beyond this podcast and way beyond my understanding of things, but. Uh, but you know, it, it, you know, it, it works for what the show's doing it, and and they get this moment where, like, I forget who it is, but one of Asta's relatives, she's having a baby, and you mm -hmm. just see like you know, everyone's in the room doing their own bit. They're all holding on to her, they're comforting her, they're letting her get it out, and it's just this huge celebration of you know welcoming this new life into the world, into the family. And I think they even have the uh, you know the, the 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 one cousin that you know went to the big city, and he's now this sort of like hipster. 
<laughs> you know, millennial, you know, uh, you know, Indian, and then you, know, you have uh, him come back, and they're like saying, "You know, like you know, we keep the umbilical cord in this pouch to sort of keep them from wandering too far away from us, or something like that." And you you even get a little emotional moment with with that that character, you know, sort of reconnecting with his family roots. And uh, yeah, where I'm all going with this is, you get that moment afterwards where Harry says, "You know, when you told me about your daughter not being with you, I said, don't worry, our young, you know, don't." don't aren't raised by their parents. It's like, now I understand why you feel guilty. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's that moment of understanding something very basic and very human. Mm -hmm. Even if it's yeah, funny alien. Absolutely. Like I said, it, it has a lot of very human resonant points um, that also speak to things, the very real things people deal with, but it never, it never forgets to remind you that it's a funny comedy on the sci-fi network. So, Alexis, you know, we've talked a lot about Harry. We've talked some about Asta. Um, I just want to bring up this one point for you to also throw into your response. Asta has a really great dramatic moment, not just the scene where she's trying to convince Harry not to kill everybody. Um, again. Again. You know, and almost and fakes killing herself with a toaster. Uh, but also after the child is born and she had and she's overwhelmed by guilt and she falls back briefly into the arms of her ex-abuser uh to the point where it drives a wedge be briefly a wedge between her and darcy i i said to you in the first season she is a um surprisingly good actress for somebody who does who hasn't had a lot of big time roles and most of her roles were small time tv she does a phenomenal job in that sequence she really does and I'm glad that they didn't try to write it that she was going to get back together with Jimmy. She goes to him because he is Jay's father. He knows how she feels. She knows what he went through. And she is really hurt. She wakes up the next morning. She's like, oh, God, why did I come here? And she knows it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. I was so terrified at the end of that episode that they were going to write this. And she was going to be like, well, maybe I can get back together. Maybe he's changed. Like, no, thank God they didn't <laughs> do that. It does end for a really great bit with her and Darcy, with them at the pepper eating contest. I love that she's just trying to show her up and eat the peppers. I love the attention to detail. She gets the Ziggy Stardust lightning bolt on her face for face painting. And then they just cut to her midway through the pepper contest. And she is sweat the whole thing <laughs> off. I love little bits like that. But I just got to say, you know, we're talking about giving mouth to mouth to an octopus. Can we talk about one of the greatest death scenes of all time? Nathan yes. Fillion as the voice of an octopus saying that his dying wish is to be eaten with a light butter sauce. <laughs> and a glass of wine. Okay, I'm a sushi fan, but I'm not afterwards. a huge octopus fan. Do either, do either of you guys eat octopus? I mean, I, I have calamari. Calamari squid. I understand, people. I'm saying that's the closest I've eaten I've gotten to octopus. Yeah, I've never seen somebody outside of, uh, uh, oh God, what's that uh, old boy where I've never seen someone just eat straight octopus. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just watching Alan Tudyk eat that, that, it doesn't even look like it's like totally cooked. I just see tentacles on a plate. <laughs> but the he is that, enjoying it too. I just Yeah, I just love this scene and I I actually am trying to figure out Sahar is in the room when that oct when the poor octopus is being attacked and I could not stop laughing at just hearing that poor thing just get going whoa hey 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 with the dog attacking mm -hmm. 
But you hear them talking, and I don't know if Sahar could actually hear uh, the octopus talking to uh, him or not. So for all she knows, he's just having this mental breakdown over a freaking octopus. <laughs> it's a weird scene, to say the least. But it's hilarious. What do you think of, um, speaking of Harry, I love the episode or two that deals with his daughter. Um, and, you know, obviously that's not her real dad. Um, earlier in the season, they you know they, you find out that before the before Harry killed him and took his and took his body, uh, that he was doing some nefarious dealings with the mob or something. I, I totally get what the deal was there, but yeah, more information is yet to be given. Yeah, yeah, we got a serious mystery going here. We got a corporation that they were stealing through, and they ordered. The real Harry to kill uh, Sam, the doctor whose death started the whole thing at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And now we're finding out more that this may also have ties to a group of other aliens who are already on Earth. Because I refuse to believe that the alien with the uh, side blinking eyes thing who kills the one agent in front of Mm -hmm. Linda Hamilton's character. I refuse to believe that he is not also tied in to this... uh, business it's like it's they're setting it up too much this whole thing has to be connected hell it wouldn't surprise me if harry actually knew about uh the other aliens Mm -hmm. um just real quick on on the daughter i think it's only the one episode but i I like i like that despite the fact that this isn't the real harry that harry is now trying trying to find a way to sort of mend his relationship with humanity one individual relationship at a time and so partially to maintain his cover but partially because he has developed some human feelings uh not the least of which are guilt so he is compelled to try to make it work with this kid who has obviously had some stuff go go on and uh feels you know disengaged from her own family the way that she talks about harry and her dad and the mom but i thought it was some really sweet scenes like i i love the in the beginning where he just doesn't know what to do with her so he's making a lot of really dumb mistakes and he's like i am sending you to your room without supper and she like you know does something snarky and leaves and then at the end they kind of have like a, they hit like a breaking point but it's one of those like funny tension breaking breaking points where they start throwing water balloons at each other and then everyone's in on the act and they all push each other in the pool and isn't like gay great um i but i enjoy just have them laughing hysterically at the horribly inappropriate uh minors song yeah which i think was really cute because it shows Mm -hmm. that yeah she doesn't care that ever that it's horribly inappropriate she's laughing and harry doesn't understand human interaction enough to go no no don't laugh this no he's laughing too and they bond over how stupid that song is yeah i i thought it was a very sweet episode i thought it was very handled well resonated a lot with me being a dad so um, anything else about Harry, Asta, that particular episode, any other episodes you want to talk about, Alexis? I do want to talk a little bit about the New York episode. Okay. Otherwise, AKA, why you don't give an alien LSD. Go ahead. First of all, I do love how they start off. He's still recovering and he's doing his monologue and he, <laughs> but the drugs are interfering with the monologues. Mm. Like there are so many, it was all the colors. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Um, no, I do like this, how they set up the whole thing with the egg. Although, I'm, I guess I'm trying to understand, do I, I guess, do, do the species fossilize themselves when they procreate? I I, I remember, I remember, I think Harry said that, that when, 
when they get when they give birth, I think the 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 pregnant one dies in order to give birth or something like that. Okay, because he does say that they usually lay thousands of eggs, hundreds or thousands of eggs. I don't yes. remember how many zeros. I'm worried about one twenty nine. So he's worried, obviously, why there's just this one egg, because that's not the way that it's like, no, it's supposed to be a lot more eggs. But I do love how uncomfortable he is in New York. I love when they go into the pizzeria and Asta's trying so hard to be subtle and he just walks in and goes, I want a slice of pepperoni and I want to talk to the alien. <laughs> Again, yeah, that that's always very, <clears throat> that was a very New York pizza scene. It's always one of my favorite bits with Harry and Asta when Asta is trying so hard to be subtle mm. and she's really trying because she's still adjusting the fact that her friend's an alien and Harry's just like, screw it. No, I'll deal with it. And he just walks, walks in and says what he needs to say. <laughs> I do like how they just use like, it's New York. So any anything exposing him as an alien is just viewed as another day. Yeah, it was very Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was like, oh my God, what's that? The six-foot turtle. You need to get off on Broadway? You know? <laughs> I've been Sold to enough Comic-Cons. They would see that and assume, yeah, it was just a dude. I yeah. swear, they would just assume. I think I said the same thing about the season of Lucifer with mm. the when they mentioned all the angels out of disguise and in the yeah. open. It's like, they're yeah, just right. going to having, having a barbecue in the park. Yeah. yeah, it's like, no, we all think they're weirdos. We don't care. Yep. <laughs> it's it's LA. All right. Um, that's really all I wanted to talk about. I mean, the kids are cute and everything. The, the Muslim girl is always funny um, and her dopey friend who is the, the son of the mayor. But I, 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 that's not for me a big discussion point. So, David, I'll give it to you for anything else that we haven't talked about before we wrap tonight. Uh, yeah, it seems like they're cleaning house with the uh, government subplot because uh, I think mm -hmm. they've killed off two of the members like the. Oh, like uh, the really like hot, the really hot agent with the pretty eyes. They, they, they off turn one episode. The yeah, psychopathic yeah. one who last season. You say get... psycho, I say hot with pretty eyes. Same difference. I need to remind you, first season, we can't get into aliens, into the alien spaceship. Has anyone tried dynamite? Again, not sure what we're talking about here. I like that they, they did off her because uh, I just thought she wasn't really that interesting of a character. Nope, definitely, uh, definitely pretty, pretty face with really, really pretty eyes. But, it's, but, that, but again, they, 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 they made her, you know, big strong woman who don't need no man, and then they killed her. Like, cool. Well, they just she make her kill every psychopath. She was, she was happy killing people in the first season. There were multiple times she killed someone, and the other agents like, what? That wasn't necessary. And she goes, I don't care. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, and, and it's sort of like you get to the point where it's like she's making such a mess that. You know, like, like what, what they needed to do is just have like one moment where like she just coldly murders someone with some reason for it. And you just realize like, oh, crap, like she can kill just about anyone and she has no qualms doing so. So that makes, you know, every scene that she is in have more attention. Whereas I was like, yeah, of course she's going to kill him. Like, you know, why did she yeah. kill the guy in the pizzeria? What did he know, <laughs> you know, you know that, that that needed to be silenced? It's, yeah. it, it just kind of, you know, it's, it's like... Um, Oh, like, you know, if you've ever seen No Country for Old Men. I have not. Uh, I, uh, on my uh, list. I, I don't know the name of the character, but like the, the hitman. Mm -hmm. Where he's just you know, like ha having Are like the, the character. I think so. Yeah. With and, the bad haircut and the coin flip. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and like when he when, and, you know, like when he's like talking to like the gas station attendant and he's like flipping the coin and, you know, the gas station attendant is just like, I'm just talking with this guy. And you and the audience knows like. This man is just one step away from dying, like one coin flip away from the end, and and it's it's terrifying, 
you know, that's what that character should have been in this show is, you know, when she shows up and she's talking to someone, it is like stone cold. Like you are in fear for that character's life. You know, like, are they going to get it right? Are they going to say the wrong thing? And she's like, no, she just kills them anyway, no matter what. And, uh, and then I, I, I appreciate how they used that later on in the show where, you know, Asta gets back into the train and Harry's just like, she tried to kill me and I murdered her. Did you bring my ice cream bar? And she's like, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do now? And, and then we have it at the end where Harry's having his telepathic conversation with, you know, Goliath's personality and the baby. And, you know, and we get the information that there, there are, there's a new alien race that's, trying to take over earth and it's so powerful that even harry's people are afraid to mess with it and before we get more information he gets shot by one of the you know conspiracy corporate guys and then asta shoots shoots him in his defense and you can see that she is shaken up that she has killed someone but you know now now she has killed someone in self-defense just as harry killed uh you know psycho girl in self-defense and i think that's going to play into where her arc goes from now on is like her sort of because you know, she's always been like, you know, no matter what, no killing. And mm. now she's like, well, I killed someone with justifiable reason. That Darcy uh, walked in on and saw the dead body. So yeah, even yeah, though like, she doesn't like, know anything like, about the conspiracy, she knows her best friend just killed someone. Yeah, who, who shot Harry? Like Harry, has You know been what that means, me. right? We're due to get a stupid episode next season. A very tropey, very hackneyed. You mean Harry was an alien all along? I feel betrayed. You didn't tell me this. Well, I don't it, know. It, it depends if if Harry just shrugs it off or if he he reverts to his partial alien form or mm-hmm. something like that. Like he was only shot in the shoulder. Like that 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 is like an official good guy location where they're <laughs> incapacitated except for the ability to do complicated martial arts, operate heavy machinery, drive cars at unsafe speeds, and so on. So, like I like. I don't know if they're going to do the the reveal to Darcy that Harry's an alien just yet. They might play around with that a bit more, but uh, we'll see. But it, it leaves, you know, it, it's a mid-season finale, but it leaves us with, with yeah, definitely there are some things left on the plate to to go with. You know, we've got freaky alien baby running around. And, right. and yeah. Alexis, in 50 words or less, what do you expect to see in the second half of season two? I'm with, I'm with David. I don't know if they're going to reveal to Darcy whether or not. I think we're, I have a feeling they're going to just cover this up and Darcy's going to be under the impression that someone attacked Harry and Asta saved him. I, I think if they had planned to reveal to Darcy that he was an alien, we would have gotten a little bit more of clues that they were going to drop that bombshell mm-hmm. at the end of the season. Or at least something would... Darcy notices something about Harry. Just like, I don't know, maybe she knows his blood's a different color. She's like, oh my god, oh my god, Harry, why are you bleeding blue? Or something like that. Yeah. yeah maybe so, she gets to, like, Asta, something's wrong up with Harry. Maybe you shouldn't hang around with him. And then you get to, you knew the whole time? Yeah. Yeah, I just really hope they don't do the whole memory wipe thing that they did. I get why they did that with the sheriff and the deputy. I get that that got us out of a pigeonhole and a plot element that we really couldn't deal with with the foot. But I don't want it to become the deus ex machina for so much on the series. I want them to come up with another reason to assuage Darcy of what happened. To their credit, the sheriff and the deputy do eventually notice that, hey, there's a hole in our memory and... Yeah, we I will say this though. I got very emotional when the, when he implanted a memory, and it, you know, and it's really he has this whole like line about if I'm going to give him a memory, why not give him a pleasant one? Which I thought was I don't know. 
I, it's unethical to mess with someone's mind that way. You know, it's it's an assault. On the other hand, what a lovely what a lovely memory he got, and what and how thoughtful they gave it to him. I don't know. I'm very conflicted about that bit. But it's interesting. It is interesting. All right, folks, and it makes that, sense. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that wraps up our Resident Alien uh, Season 2 Part 1 discussion. Uh, we will resume review uh, when it debuts later on, probably, I guess, in the summer to early fall. We'll hit it again. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll all be back for Spaceballs 2, the search for more money. All right. Um, that, wraps, that also wraps up our week here on the Rattling Broadcasting Network. We... Uh, we Review Joey Janela's Spring Break Parts 1 and 2. Uh, we reviewed Ambulance. That was me, myself and Ronnie Adams. We also re-aired our Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find It review. Uh, Alexis, Robert, and I reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Jesse and I, <laughs> I just want to apologize to everybody. If you tuned in for our first episode of our TV party series on David Simon shows, which we're calling uh, From the Corner to the Deuce, the Great Works of David Simon. Dude, my bathroom flooded. <laughs> my wife was trying to like plan stuff with her friends, and she was like texting me in the middle of the show. I we got off late because Jesse and I had to have a long talk about some stuff. That show was just a mess. We eventually get to Homicide and have a halfway decent decent discussion about it, but I was on Neptune for most of it. <laughs> so, uh, if you're like, what is with this show? We, we thank God for Jesse because this this was not. <laughs> Last Saturday, I did a UFC thing where I was half asleep through it, and I had to keep stopping my camera to get up and walk around, like throw water on my face because I was going to pass out in the middle of the show. This one, I'm having to get up and go deal with a flooding bathroom and a, you know, and a pissy wife, and all kinds of stuff was happening. Jesse, consummate professional that he is, held it together. He is the glue. The glue, I tell you, that kept the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network going, at least on our review of Homicide, Life in the Street, Season 5, which uh, was... David Simon was a story editor on, so it was the, on the uh, the first show, first season on the big list of things David Simon has worked on over the years that we will be reviewing over the next two three years. Anyway, um, so that's that. And this weekend we will be re-airing our review of of Inferno from the Dan Brown series of movies starring Tom Hanks. And in theory, if I get home in time for it. Myself and Dan Lasby will be doing an alternative commentary for Errol Spence versus Eugenius Ugas. Um, and then uh, next week, we are, Sean and I will be doing a review of Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, John Carter, and Barbarella. Uh, three science fiction movies, two of which were based on French comics and one on a, a series of books. Then we have our, we'll have our review of The Secrets of Dumbledore, Fantastic Beasts. Uh, we'll be joined by both Mr. and Mrs. Teasley, which I'm sure will be exciting. Uh, it's the anniversary of the Deepwater Horizon disaster from uh, BP from a few years ago during the Obama, Obama administration. So we're going to re-air our review of the movie about said disaster starring Mark Wahlberg. Uh, in the evening, we will be reviewing Ghost Impera. And then on Thursday, David, you'll be back. I started watching it. It's, it's moderately funny. Star Trek Lower Deck Season 1. Also... Alexis, I haven't started watching it yet because it only comes out, I think, tomorrow or last week. I don't remember which. Uh, Green Eggs and Ham, the second serving. Oh, it's already come out. Yeah, it was last weekend, now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, I just haven't started watching it yet because, like you, I prefer 
I can't watch multiple shows at the same time because then everything starts blurring together. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're talking about Darcy getting drunk with Sam. I am. (laughs) Which would be an awesome show. I would like, I would like to see a cooking show with Sam. I am and Darcy. Yeah. Then Harry's interfering with the uh, fight between the Ukes and the Zooks. All right, uh, David, did you want to plug anything real quick? I know I, we, you got Lower Decks coming up, and then like May is Dave, David Wright month. You have yes, like 87 if, shows coming up. If, if you like me on this network, you will enjoy May. If you don't like me on this network, May is going to be rough for you. <laughs> Every yeah. one of us has to gets at least one month where Mark decides we have no other social lives. We, are, we exist solely to promote this network. Uh, my goal is to get people to stop asking me to do shows. So they overload you in one month. <laughs> like, all right, I'm good for the next six months. Good. As Mark mentioned, uh, Lower Decks, end of the month. And I do believe I'm on uh, trivia this weekend for Magic. Yep, that's uh, Tripped Up Trivia. We record this Saturday. The theme is Wizards and Magic. Uh, Mr. Jesse Starcher and I are hosting. Yeah, I couldn't run that show without him. He rocks. Uh, this is all... Uh, to do uh dr strange 2 coming out soon in theaters if i see one more post about tom cruise as the alternative iron man i'm gonna lose my collective mind but we're gonna have a lot of fun with the trivia questions uh so those who are interested in playing but probably can't make it to the saturday in short notice may's trip to trivia will uh, record in a few weeks and the theme as always for may is sci-fi for may the fourth be with you and we're always looking for uh contestants for that why don't you so, just do star wars just just strictly star wars since it's may the fourth and miss out on doing a bunch of star trek questions fair enough <laughs> make sure you get make sure you grab andrew uh orozco i think he has like a star wars show yeah david did you I, I know you've been on enough trivia before. Did you play uh, Sci-Fi Month with us last year? Yeah, David, I won. I was going to say, that's David, right. that's, like, that's like David's show. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I thought. I, sorry, it was a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember mostly what happened this morning, so... He's like your I ringer. do remember the uh, Jonathan Franks question, and I think you were the one who said, Hell yes! Very loudly. <laughs> yes, yes, that was my favorite question on that. All right, Alexis, go ahead and finish your plug so we can get out of here. All right. Uh, so other than that, um, my company, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic. We are back on the road, back to the convention circuit. We just did Lexington Comic and Toy Fair. A lot of fun there. Next weekend is Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. This is our home show, and it also is the 10-year anniversary Planet Comic Con was the very first convention we ever worked at 10 years ago. This is a Big, big event for us. We are so excited. Week after that, we're in Springfield for Vision Con. Small little convention, but always have a lot of fun there. Following that, we're in St. Louis for Fan Expo. And after that, we're heading out to Hutchison, Kansas for the official Smallville Comic Con. Those of you who may not know this, Hutchison actually has designated itself as officially Smallville, Kansas. This is a big how to do for Superman fans. If you're in the Midwest, come on and head out. We're going to have so much fun. As always, our stores are fully stocked on Facebook. No, I'm sorry, on Etsy and Handmade at Amazon. But you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on TV Party tonight for Resident Alien Season 2 Part 1. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. 
uh, or if you listen to traditional audio on we're on every podcatcher, please like and subscribe, even leave a comment. It helps us out greatly. And we appreciate you for doing it. I really don't care what the comment is. I just want you to leave a comment. It could be a recipe for rabbit stew. We're fine with that. Maybe All it's right. how to spell malogly. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> be well, be safe and behave. <laughs>